0: <laughs> all right. So hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch. I've been hosting these webinars with uh, my friends, basically. It's been a great way to catch up with all my friends. Today, my guest is Patrick King. Um, I have known Patrick since... We never came up with an actual year, did we, Patrick?
1: No, we didn't. I'm going to have to look that up. I'm gonna, but you, I'm were,
0: you were in your either, I think just your early 20s, like just.
1: Uh, yeah. Would have been very early. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So now I've known you half your life? Yeah,
1: darn near. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, wow. Yeah, we already established last time this is like my longest-standing relationship. Yeah. So.
0: (laughs) All right, so Patrick, I'm just going to let you introduce yourself to people who might not know you. I'm just going to put the spotlight on here. There you go.
1: Oh, look at that! I didn't know we could do that with the program. Yep, you just Um, go to spotlight video. See,
0: you're going to learn something every day.
1: Right. Well, you're helping me out with all this techy stuff too. So. Um, but yeah, so uh, hey gang, I'm Patrick King. I'm a traveling clinician, not really traveling right now, uh, which is what's making it possible for us to do these broadcasts and and all the podcasts that have been going around lately. Um, I have a focus on uh, biomechanics of the horse, in uh, primarily dressage is my focus. Uh, a lot of in-hand work, but I've got a background in Western horsemanship as well. So I've got students that come from uh, kind of all over the map. Um, as far as disciplines go, and with the traveling that I do, a uh, geographic map too. Uh, I spend about 350 days of the year, typically on the road traveling and teaching. Um, so, this is kind of a nice chance to sit still, sit at home, and um, yeah, and and get caught up with Wendy. This is really cool. It's been a long time since we've had this much time to chat. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, so uh, when I met Patrick, he was pretty much wearing uh, a cowboy hat and uh chaps and spurs. And so the evolution. Uh when did you start, Patrick? When did you start uh, getting more involved with uh britches?
1: Uh well so I grew up actually riding Hunt Seat. Um, oh, and I, I, I showed Hunt Seat and Western as I was growing up um and did the halter classes and stuff like that. Grew up with Arabs and quarter horses and paint horses and, and all of that. Um, but m- my I used to, to tell everybody that I was versaged by passion, but Western by function with what I had going on and all the cults that I was starting and, and that sort of stuff. And to begin with, a large portion of the clients that I had were young horses, problem horses, trail horses that had issues, that sort of thing, um, some roping horses, that sort of stuff. So um, that's kind of, you know, where, where that went. Um, and just as time went on, I, I began getting a larger and larger number of dressage students, English students, uh, and so it just made more sense. You know, um, uh, riding with jeans kind of tears up the inside of your legs when you're riding in a dressage saddle. So, um, so switching to breeches was never a big deal for me. It was never a problem. It was something I've always been comfortable with. I think I started showing seat when I was I don't know maybe 12 years old or something like that. So it was, that. it was pretty early. On. Yeah, yeah, pretty early on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because when I met you, you were uh, very much into the horsemanship. I think you'd studied with Ray. Yep, yep. Uh, Who else did you work with?
1: Um, So, well, Ray was a big one. I got the opportunity to live with Ray for a couple months um, as kind of an apprenticeship program sort of deal, Um, but worked with a lot of folks. Um, Richard Winters uh, is a good friend. I I worked with him uh, in the beginning there, worked with guys like Craig Johnson um, trying to think. Tom Curtin was a great one. Got a chance to ride with Buck Graniman when I was with Ray, um, kind of as a side-by-side student of Ray at that point. Um, so kind of touched base and, and got to catch up with a lot of the, you know, a lot of the popular Western clinicians and trainers at that point, yeah.
0: So when did it start to evolve more into the um, dressage?
1: Um, well, I always had an interest in it, and and I guess if I were to try to pin down when that changed, man, I don't even know. I, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, uh, because I
0: saw you at the Pennsylvania Horse Expo uh, near Washington, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and I went there twice, and you were Western, yeah. very clearly Western. But then what I remembered next was see- seeing you with a Garocha pole.
1: Ah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That is so much fun. That was that was actually, um, I hadn't really thought about when I started with the Garocha for quite a while, but a, a friend of mine that I don't think he was into horses even yet, uh, whenever you were presenting at that expo, uh, but he came out and he wanted to learn how to start colts with me and stuff like that. And he was a super handy fellow, super athletic. Uh, so it was really easy for him to learn to ride and learn how to start colts because he could handle himself really well um, uh, as far as athletically but um we were out on a trail ride once on these young horses that i think had two or maybe three rides on them and he said hey i saw this video on youtube with this guy in this stick let's see what we can do and he grabbed it i'm not even joking he grabbed a branch as he was riding under a tree and tore this dead branch out of the tree you can imagine what happened at that point but that's kind of the start of riding with the Garocha. That was what really just started getting me interested in it. I'm like, you know, that's kind of cool. And so then I looked into it and, you know, was really impressed with it. And it's a it's, uh, correlation to a lot of the work that we do, even with our dressage horses, you know, and, and the history of it, the predating roping and things like that. Um, yeah, so that was, that's super fun. I love, I love working
0: but Do you with remember what year girls. that was?
1: Oh, hell i don't
0: know. <laughs> I will never get a date on this thing. Yeah, because I remember I, seeing you. I'm <laughs> careful with that. With you know pictures of you with a garocha pole, and then I think you actually did. did you go to the uh, the horse expo in Pennsylvania? The... I did. I you
1: did. did you get- yeah, I I did. Um, I was part of their daily entertainment deal um, mm-hmm. with the garocha. Yeah, with uh, some friends of mine had a stallion that I play. I think <laughs> when I gave that presentation, I think maybe I had practiced with him or ridden him maybe a dozen or so times before we uh before we did that presentation so that was super fun but he was a rock star he's got a lot of raining training, training and, and that sort of thing so he knows how to
0: it was a paint you know, horse wasn't it
1: it was a paint horse yeah 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 yep, yep. Yep. But, uh, yeah
0: But yeah because so so i remember that i remember seeing a picture of you you know with the Garocha pole and doing those demos and then we kind of lost touch with each other for a while um, yeah. going our separate ways as, as people are wanting right. to, but, um, and then I can't remember when, but, um, what, was it Heidi, Heather, Heather, who was the woman that, w- with the black hair that's from Pennsylvania that we both know, she organized mm-hmm. a clinic, I can't, Holly. Holly, Holly, <laughs> Holly. <laughs> Yeah. Goodness, and so, I'm
1: a Heidi, Heather, who, oh man. It was an H
0: name, I'm struggling. It was
1: an H name, I give you major credit for that.
0: Yeah. Um, so I came up and did a clinic, and you rode, um, and I think that's when I started to see you in britches. I think that's when mm-hmm. I OK, OK, yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Um, um, yeah, Yep. yeah. Yeah, in fact, clinic. that was a clinic, I think it was hosted at, um, there was one that you did at the fairgrounds out there, and then I believe it was the next year we coordinated, you did a clinic out at my training facility.
0: Yeah, but this is later on. This was after those. Those were when I first met you. And then later on, after the Grocha and kind of being part, Holly had me come up. And it was, I remember the indoor. I can remember it so clearly. Um, But Mm. that's when I started to realize that you were really starting to explore um, other directions and Mm. more into the classical. And so who who was kind of, who are some of your um, mentors there or people that you really were starting to follow at that point?
1: Um, You know, uh, so I was kind of funny story the first book that i was given um on horses whenever i was a kid i think i was maybe 10 11 um i had an aunt from new jersey that gave me a book that was um charles de confy's book i think it was uh training strategies for the dressage rider or something like that. And I remember trying to read it and I didn't understand a damn thing that he was writing about. Um, and so I put it on the shelf and I've since read it several times and, you know, red pen in it and made notes for myself and things like that. Um, but so Charles was a, a pretty big influence. I was presenting at an expo. I had just broken my leg actually. Yeah. And I was doing a cult starting deal at an expo. Um, uh, in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and uh, that was <laughs> never mind. I don't even know what year that was, but I got the opportunity to work at that point with uh, Mark Russell. Uh, he was also teaching at that, and you know just who he was. Really got me interested in what he had to say, you know he could have been talking about anything and he was just such a, a kind hearted soft spoken fellow that um, we struck a really good friendship, and he really started me down this kind of deeper path. Um, because I've been riding with some dressage instructors locally, and and really what happened was I was um, working some young horses and some problem horses for that were going to go on to be dressage horses. And students said, "Hey, you know, I don't feel comfortable riding my horse in this clinic. Will you ride my horse in this clinic?" So um, I got a chance to ride with Mary Flood a couple times. I believe she's I, down near. I met Mary
0: recently. She's yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Really cool gal. And, you know, to start out with, I didn't really understand most of what she was saying either, you know, Uh, but uh, I've since obviously grown to understand a lot more of those things. Uh, But yeah, so that kind of got me on the path. And and Mark really got me sinking deep. Mark was a student of Nuno Oliveira and he was all about the mechanics. And he was really one of the first ones that I recognized talking about. I'm sure it was spoken about and it just went over my head. Um, recognized talking about the TMJ and the hyoid and the occipital pole and things like that it was a huge focus for Mark um, in releasing the tension there. And it, it really got me on a deeper path. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, um, and I know you've written with Bettina.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: yes. Yep. And yeah. um, you, so when did you start like getting curious about going over to Europe? Uh well,
1: you know, I'd done the expos for a few years, kind of did that scene presenting at the expos, and that was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy helping large quantities of people at a time, you know, kind of touching and sharing information that way. Um, and you know what it came down to a lot of it was. Um, the expense of doing those expos because of taking time off, not teaching clinics and because of all the product that you have to have and, you know, things like that, everything that it it takes to be at the expos, um, you know, even successful expos, you can kind of come out in the negative, right? Yeah, no, Uh, you know, I don't
0: think people realize just how hard expos are. I mean, they're great because you get to see a lot of people and people get exposed to your ideas, but I'll tell you, um, they are really exhausting. Um, they are
1: they are exhausting and they're expensive you know because if you're not for the times and you know this for the times that you're not in the booth you've got to have somebody in the booth for you right so now you're potentially paying for someone else's hotel room you're paying fees for them to be there for the day it, and i'm certainly not complaining i love the expos i really love doing them um, but it can be a pretty big expense and my business partner didi um we were kind of figuring out the math and figuring things out she said you know the cost that we spend uh, or the, the amount that we spend doing these expos, we could go to Europe and you could get some high level instruction and break even, you know, we could, we could end up not costing more to go do that. And I'm kind of a princess. I hate cold weather. Says the guy who now lives in Wisconsin. Um, but, but she said, and you can get the hell out of the cold weather in the winter and go where it's warmer. So I said, sign me up. And that, that was really when that started. That was, um, was about four years ago now. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you've been to Portugal four times?
1: Um, is Portugal. So I guess three years ago. So Portugal three times, three years in a row. Um, and now Spain as well.
0: Right. So, and so I joined Patrick, um, not this year, but last year. I, yeah,
1: um,
0: yeah. a friend of mine was going with Patrick and I knew I could room with her and we, they would be okay. Cause, um, I snore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, we, we've roomed together before and she's totally okay with me. And so, um, when well, I That works out
1: perfect. Me, you snore and she's deaf. So that works and out. Well. No,
0: she's not. <laughs> but anyway, I thought, well, I, you know, I haven't had a vacation in a really long time. Let's do a vacation. Where should we go on vacation? Of course, to ride horses. So, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like crazy horse people. Um, so I joined you last year in Portugal, and actually was, it was that actually it yeah. was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun.
1: That was super cool. And that was, you know, one of the things that, that I look back on that is that's the most time you and I have spent together yeah. also in one place. And not been running around trying to teach, or you know, having a thousand things going on. You were still busy, you know, uh, with with a lot of your emails and stuff like that. Of course, because we've all got to still keep up with that. But yeah, uh, I don't that have to be at home handling like,
0: all my paperwork.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it was it was super great to be able to spend that time with you and not be you know business on necessarily. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. No. So bottom line is, Patrick and I have known each other probably about twenty something years. Um, I don't know how old you are anymore, so I'm just guessing. Me neither. It's okay. It's fine. And um, so when I started Surefoot, that was back in 2012, uh, I think I reached out to you and just, I can't remember. Did I reach out to you or you just kind of heard it on the grapevine that I was messing around?
1: I, you know, I think if I remember it right, we were at a sushi restaurant in Maryland.
0: Oh, yeah, because we were at the, the... Maryland Horse Expo.
1: Maryland Horse Expo. Yeah, and you were like just at the discovery side of this surefoot stuff. Um, you were like, check out these videos. This is, you know, super brand new. You know, super brand new. And you said, check out these videos. And and we're not really sure what this means yet. But you've got to check this out. And uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm pretty sure that was that was at that restaurant. No, yeah, no, that yeah.
0: that makes sense actually. Um, because I remember we, we met up for sushi at that, uh, before that expo started, Brad mm-hmm. and Brad and you were both there, I don't know. Yeah, right, right. So that was probably 2013 or 14, 13 or 14. Okay,
1: okay, yep. okay, yep. yep,
0: yep. And you're gonna tell them what you thought?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you'd this love, a love to hear this actually. whole webinar here. <laughs> yeah, right, for the whole world to hear. Um, so I thought it was bullshit, to be completely honest. And Wendy knows this because I've told her this. This is not her first chance hearing this. Um, I I thought it was total BS. You see so many, I uh, hate to say it, hate to oh look, she ran away. Um uh, there <laughs> 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 we go.
0: This is the captain um, of the ship.
1: <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> um, I you know, you see so many gimmicks in the horse industry and so many fads and things like that. Um and, uh, you know, it, it's, but yeah, so when I saw that, I thought that's, that's got to be crap. That can't be anything. And I thought, you know, the only person that I know that uh, thinks that much and can judge things that much, as much as I do, <laughs> is Wendy. <laughs> um, and so I thought, you know, if Wendy says there's something to this, I guess there might be, there might be something to this. So we'll have to check it out. And yeah, and that was that was kind of the start of that. And I've been super interested in it ever since.
0: Yeah, so um, you know, that what you're saying there, Patrick, and the reason one of the reasons I wanted you to tell people that is in the beginning, that's what most people thought. I mean, I would literally put something on Facebook and people would make comments like, uh, you know, it's BS, it's crap, it's you know, another snake oil, you're gonna guarantee my results, and blah, blah, right. blah. And there was all these people, but you know, um, I mean, that's the thing is when you come up with a new idea, you have to be ready for people to attack it because it it challenges the norm, it challenges our belief systems. And Mm -hmm. I was, as um, you know, being a Feldenkrais practitioner, and by the way, we're going to do a webinar on Feldenkrais here next week, um, so that people get a better understanding of Feldenkrais. But as a Feldenkrais practitioner, you know, I'm always asking questions and I'm always looking for new possibilities. so when I discovered this. I was, you know, able to just absorb it because of my years and years of experience with Feldenkrais. But mm-hmm. the number of people that, you know, thought I was crazy, thought it was, you know, I mean, I was at um, Equine Affair in Massachusetts, and I had another very well-known uh, bodywork clinician, and I showed him some videos, and he told me not to quit my day job.
1: <laughs> oh, interesting! Wow. It,
0: um, and uh, I, of course, I you know, my day he didn't, I don't know that he knew what my day job was, but um, you know, I pointed it out to him. And you know, it, but that's the kind of thing is, um, you know, when we when you discover something new, there's I don't know, did you ever watch Lenny Bruce? Did you ever hear Lenny Bruce? No. Lenny Bruce was a stand up comic, and actually, if you watch M- mm. Mrs. Maisel on on, uh, uh, Amazon Prime,
1: okay,
0: uh, she interacts with. Uh, Lenny Bruce. And when I was a kid, I was 16, I watched one of his movies in the theater and it's it's always stuck with me and the stages of acceptance and it's anger, denial, fear, rejection, acceptance. Anger, denial, fear, rejection, acceptance. And so, you know, I had people that were angry with me. I had people that, you know, was BS. I had people, You know, just ignore me. I mean, I had all these people reacting in all of these emotions of anger, denial, fear, rejection, acceptance. You know, fear of the unknown. They didn't know what it was. I can't explain it. Um, But you know, I I, after eight years now, it's great because we've finally gotten to the point where even if we don't understand exactly how it's working, people are accepting the fact that it actually does work. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really excited about is that the veterinary world is now embracing Surefoot which is just yeah. huge because that means it's gonna reach and help so many more horses.
1: Right, for sure.
0: That really is the point for me is that it, it's something, it's a tool that anyone can use to help their horse. And so, um, I, you know, it's been a passion, but it's also been, a, um, I feel like I'm an ambassador for this thing and it's not really mine as much as uh, I'm carrying that torch and I have to keep carrying sure. it forward. Because of what happens with the horses,
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, and and there's there's no denying that it's doing something, right? Okay. It's it's positively influencing them, and there's there's no denying that. Even if we aren't 100 percent sure, you know what it is that it's doing. I know it's it's hard for me to explain it to people what's going on sometimes. Yeah,
0: me too. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. <laughs> and so that's the relief wonder, for me to you know, hear that.
0: How's it working? I don't know. Um, look, but in the beginning, you got a pair of firm pads. I remember that you just got a pair of firm pads and you started experiment and you sent me some pictures and things. So I'd love you to just talk about like your beginning with the process and, and, and how that worked for you. Because, you know, like so many people, I'm, I'm so in the weeds with this thing all the time because I'm living it. Uh, right. But someone like you, you know, coming at it from a very different direction, um, that'd be great if you could just talk about that.
1: Sure, absolutely. So I, I got a pair of the pads to experiment with those firm pads. Um and I think it was it was right about the time when you first started color coding them and that sort of thing. Um so I got the firm pads, the green ones, and um it was at that point, <clears throat> I believe I was still playing around with the yeah, I was still doing the expos, still doing kind of the winter stuff and I had taken in some horses for training actually um or the way so this was, was six years ago maybe I think five years ago um <clears throat> but I had taken in some horses for training and one of them was super just tied all over in his body so I thought what the hell if Wendy says there's something to this let's see what happens and um <clears throat> so I, I invested in the the firm pads and I put them underneath this horse, um, and he was pretty bothered by them to start with. So we had a whole session on just getting him used to it, stuff like that. Um, and then I just started using them with every horse that was in training. While they were being groomed, I'd, I'd have them stand on them. And I started to notice that, you know, at first, they were definitely more accepting of them as they, as they experienced them. Even after the first session, they got really handy with them. Uh, body started unlocking, they started really relaxing and letting down for their grooming sessions. And the rides were starting to feel better, which, you know, I, I'll say it could be because they were, you know, having sessions and it could be because of the surefoot pads. So I'm like, well, okay, I'm still kind of on the fence, right, um, <clears throat> but their bodies started feeling softer and softer and noticing that they were starting to soften as soon as they would come onto the pads, as soon as they'd stand on them, they'd start to soften. And two of the horses, I, I want to say I had six or seven horses in training at the time for this, this little deal, and um, two of those horses would stand on the pads under their front feet for five minutes or so while they were being groomed, and they would actually push them back and then step up themselves under their hind feet. And that just blew me away and they would go and do the rocking and the moving and the swaying and the yawning and releasing and all of that stuff. Um, But that was when I really started to think, you know, there's got to be something to this stuff. If the horses started to figure out where they needed those pads to be and actually actively put them where they needed them, that was, I was kind of blown away. I was sold at that point. Yeah.
0: And I remember there was a, was it a gray horse? You sent me pictures of a horse in a wash stall. And I think it was a gray horse. It was during that time. I remember very clearly it was during that time.
1: Okay, okay. Um,
0: It was a gray horse.
1: I'm trying to think. I remember sending you pictures of a black horse in a wash stall.
0: Oh, maybe it was that, maybe it was a black horse.
1: Yeah, I, I think I've sent you several pictures actually of different horses. Um, cause I'll, I'll, I'll find something doing something that's unique. And I'm like, Oh, Wendy, Hey, check this out. Has this happened before? What do I do now? You know? Um, but I remember one particular black horse, cause I would, I would then, you know, uh, drag the pads along with me to the clinics I was teaching and stuff like that. Um, but I had this one black mare that I was working with, put her on the pads and she just about instantly fell asleep. And then she woke up. I think this might be the horse you're talking about. She kind of woke up, came out of it, looked down at what she was standing on and blew her top. She jumped straight up in the air like a Halloween cat, snorting and spinning. And then as soon as her feet hit the ground, she immediately went and stood back on the pads. It was super interesting. There was no asking her to do it. She immediately went back and stood on the pad. So, so again, what was going on? I don't know. Was it valuable to the horse? Absolutely. And she knew it. You
0: know? Yeah, and that's you know, I always try to tell people that, you know, even though you know the horses seem uh most horses in the bell curve are really happy to stand on the pads. You mm-hmm. you always have to keep your eye out for the outliers, the ones like that horse. Or horses that, um, when they step on it for the first time, are really really upset about it because it's different. Um, uh, but that's really interesting that she was she'd been on it and totally chilled. And then I, I've seen some horses where they kind of like wake up like they've been asleep uh, mm-hmm. yeah. or in a really deep state, and then they're like totally surprised. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little bit extreme. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah right right
0: so i'm scrolling back just so you know i'm scrolling back through our uh our previous messages
1: (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-oh there's been quite a few
0: yeah i'm i know i'm on facebook i'm back to 2018. i'm gonna go back a little more because i'm gonna see if there's a picture of that horse oh cool yeah um and that's
1: actually if 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 that's the horse we were thinking of um that that barn is the same barn that um, Felicitas teaches at, where she was. She's been starting to experiment with a lot of the stacking of the pads.
0: Yeah, Felicitas is going to be my guest tomorrow night. Oh, sweet! That's awesome. Really oh. excited about that because she, um, she's been using the pads for a solid uh, two years now, and okay. um, she, she put up pictures of stacking on Facebook, and I had to drive up to her place and find out what was going on because it was so. Different and wasn't what I was doing with them you know I would uh-huh. maybe stack one other pad but she was uh, she's the queen of stacking I have to say <laughs>
1: <laughs> right yeah, yeah for sure. um,
0: but you know she's just been a huge fan and it, the, the results that she's having are amazing so I'm so excited to have her tomorrow night as my guest that's um, awesome Let's see, I'm still scrolling back here. I'm back to 2017. i found some other pictures of Surefoot, but um, while I'm looking, somebody asked you where you learned your in-hand work.
1: Oh gosh, where did I learn my in-hand work? Um, Well, so a lot of it, I would say, came from Mark Russell. Um, It was a huge influence uh, from him with the in-hand work. Um, There, let's see, I I did learn, I had uh, some work with Bettina Drummond, learned some in-hand there. She got really deeper, more specific. And I've incorporated also a lot of the work that I've learned in Portugal from the Valenzas into the work that I do in hand. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of come from a lot of different places. But Mark Ross, I've always done a lot of groundwork. So the in hand work is kind of, I, I kind of make a delineation that my groundwork or groundwork that we do with the horse is kind of our foundation work. Uh, and then our in-hand work is is like our college-level work, kind of, is how I would explain that. Uh, but yeah, Mark Russell definitely set me on the path to really getting deeper with that.
0: Oh, and um, Laura Plunkett is a guest I had on a couple weeks ago. She's going to come back, and it's and she's an animal communicator. And one of the things she told me was that the horses really like to do something on the ground before being ridden. That ah. she consistently finds that they talk about you know, doing something on the ground. So this is not the horse that you were talking about, but I did find, maybe this will jog your memory. Um, here's a picture that you sent me of a horse on pads and clearly he's on slants behind. Um, be, he started square, but repositioned himself like this. So, so your comment is that he started out square, but then he repositioned. And um, you know, it's not uncommon huh. actually for horses to do that. Okay. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's not uncommon at all for them to start out um, to shift the pads around and slide them mm. around and put them yeah. in different places and kind of organize them in different ways.
1: Yeah, and I've always found it very interesting um, how they may step off of a pad with one foot and slide the other pad with the other foot, you know? kind of taking one uh, with them sort of as they reposition their stance. I've always found that really interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've actually seen horses where they'll have a foot on a pad and they'll keep that foot on the pad and move their whole body around to see what they want to see and not with yes. that foot at all. Like they just yeah. want to take it with them.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I have um, one horse in training right now that I've uh, just as experiment stacked him with a firm pad and then the firm slants um and and he stands because uh, i was telling you i'm just kind of experimenting right now with what do they like what do they do where do they go um so he was i want to say the the hard pads and the soft pads on the front and the firm pads and the firm slants on the back and he'll step off of um from the front feet but he'll keep those hind feet on uh with the slants so really interesting
0: yeah so now that patrick's home for a while he went ahead and got the whole set um so yeah. he. So how many horses are you playing with right now? How many horses are available?
1: Um, Right now, I have four horses in training, but I've got, what do we have now? Ten at the farm that I'm playing with and experimenting with the pads.
0: Okay. And is there anything consistent that you've seen with all the horses you've been working with?
1: Anything consistent? Yeah. Um, Yeah, they all really like it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've, I've got one who's pretty interesting. When I'm standing next to him he really likes the pads when I step away from him he jumps off so there's some but this is a horse that's got a little bit confidence issues and he kind of needs me as his confidence a little bit so it's super interesting to see him react to it um, when I step away but for the most part all of them uh, are are really they're gaining some sort of value from the pads, and it's it's pretty immediate
0: so, um, when I was in Australia last October, I was over there training people to use your foot and, um, Robin Shelton, uh, Larson, uh, gave me some words to help explain why horses step off. And I've added to it a little bit. Cause when I got there, this, she was working on a horse, she does body work and she had a horse on pads and he stepped off and I was like, oh yeah, flies. Cause the Australian flies are pretty bad. Right. Ah. So the horses, they'll start having flies and they'll kind of go to step or rub their leg or swish at a fly. And, and suddenly they're stepping off. So I came up with these F's to help explain why horses might step off pads. Okay. Flies, fright, food, friends, follow and finished. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, fly, flies, sprite, yeah. foods, friends, follow, finish. So like that horse that followed you, I always talk about like this invisible umbilical cord. And yeah. when the horses are on the pads, you can feel like there's this umbilical cord. And if you move, they're going to come with you. And so I mm, yeah. sometimes stand there and like, wait to feel like the cord stretches a little or mm. softens a little, and then I can step away and they're going to stay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's not uncommon at all. That's actually super common. Um, okay. Yeah. Because they start to follow me because they associate me with the comfort, right? I brought them something really nice. And so sure. they're like, you know, when, when people talk about, you know, getting horses to, um, be with them, what I find is when I start using Surefoot, the horses just want to be with me. I don't have to ask them or, or do anything. They're just like you, you you're okay. I want to be with you. Where are you going? Let's go there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that trust is so important for me that they quickly establish trust with the person offering the pads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, have you been seeing that with the dream? training? I have.
1: Yeah, I've I've noticed that for sure. And they, uh, it's it's kind of fun. They seem to look forward to it now. I keep the bag of pads in the arena just so that they're always there, so I can pull them out with them out at any point. You know. And a lot of them I'm experimenting, you know, at the beginning of the ride, or before the ride rather, and then at the end of the session, and sometimes in the middle, just to kind of see where they go. Um, but really interesting, if I set anybody loose in the arena, they go over and hang out next to the pad. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <That's> cool. <laughs> um, a friend of mine, Catherine Wyckoff, set up a spa day for a therapeutic riding center, and she put out pads and um, poles, and I think she had a beamer, and she had these different stations, and they turned okay. the horses loose and the horses got to choose what they wanted. And oh, the, cool. Yeah, there was this whole bunch that went over to the Surefoot pads and they wanted to stand on Surefoot pads. You know, that's interesting. So that doesn't surprise me. And you know, one of the things about having them in the arena that I think is so valuable is that's the place where if, if you have a horse that has been poorly trained or had kind of aggressive training, they're, they're not so sure they want to go into that space. They're a little bit like, oh, I'm going back into the arena. Kind of like, you know, oh, I've got to, you know, go clean my room now, right? That kind exactly.
1: of thing. Yeah, yep. so negative base, association.
0: Exactly. But when the pads are there, what I'm seeing with horses over and over again is their association changes. And it's suddenly like, oh, that's a nice place that I want to be because I'm going to stand on these pads. So I'm yep. happy to go there as opposed to, oh, don't let me, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Well, and that that changing of associative pairing is one reason why most of the time when I'm working with pads, especially at clinics and stuff like that, I'll go to the scary place. I'll go to the scary corner. Once the horse understands the pads, that's where I'm going to go, so they can find that release and relief where the you know where the grizzly bears live, basically.
0: No, exactly. Um, And that's, that's sort of the next phase I think of with Surefoot. So the first phase is it's an offer to the horse. They're allowed to choose which pad, how long, but once they start to recognize that the pads are, are of value or positive for them, then if I have a sticky place, like you say, or somewhere where they get anxious or somewhere where I want them to let down more, I take the pads there. Um, And I had an Arab once who was like, we were in this huge arena and he was totally like freaked out about this corner, and I just went down there with the pad, and I said, you know, comfort, anxiety, comfort. What yep. you pick, which one yeah. would you like? Yep,
1: you make the choice. And yeah. let down,
0: or you know, when the horses start to learn how to throw what I call it throwing the parasympathetic switch, they learn how to let down
1: hmm yeah kind of that self-regulation mm-hmm.
0: exactly self-regulation is a great way to think of it and so like putting them on the pads is kind of like toggling that parasympathetic switch they'll go up and then you say up oh, here's the pad down up down and pretty soon they're like oh i can throw this switch myself
1: yeah right? i know how to go there exactly exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. and then the pads actually become they don't even have to stand on them i don't know if you've had any horses get to that stage where just seeing the pads well yeah because they're coming in the arena and they're going over to mm-hmm. the pads just mm-hmm. seeing exactly. them starts to elicit all the positive changes that we see all the letting down the relaxation the breathing the licking and chewing just yep. by seeing the pads
1: yeah exactly exactly yeah it's it's really cool to see uh, for me watching the decision making process watching the learning process uh with the horses is fascinating you know so um seeing what they go through with these is super cool to me
0: yeah so somebody's asked a question of uh, have you experimented with the firm pads the green ones um and which ones do you lean toward more frequently with this range of horses
1: oh that's a really cool question um you know i'm still so much on exploratory mode but I'm finding uh, with the horses that I'm working with anyway, I'm finding myself doing a lot with the medium pads. Those are the purple ones, right? Yeah. The medium yeah. pads, yeah. I find myself doing a lot with the medium pads, um, even when I'm stacking. I'm doing a lot of firm and medium. Um, that's just my go to for now. You know? Yeah,
0: and yeah. what I find is, um, I find that it changes a lot. Like, I'll be totally yeah. into one density for a while. And I think horses do this, too. I've been totally into one. And then, like, I'll pull out the hard pad again, and I'll see, like, wow, that's, like, really crazy. Um, uh, okay. I'll start working mm-hmm. with that. And our, it's always good when you're stacking, putting the hard pad on the bottom. Think of it as a base pad because yes. it is harder. It's a great pad to put on the bottom of any stack. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. I, you know, like, I'll go through these, like, flavor of the month, color of the month pad, and then... <laughs> Well, <laughs> so like I'll fall in love with that physio pad and then it'll be the soft pad and or the firm slants. It's kind of funny, but I think the horses actually do the same thing and that they're, they'll get really curious about a particular density for a while and then mm. they'll be really curious about something else.
1: Mm. Yeah. 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 And that's what I've had a lot of fun with just the experimentation um, right now with all these different horses is, you know, we, we're just dumping the whole bag out onto the arena floor and saying, okay, let's see what they do with this one. And then what about this density under this foot and this density under this other foot? And, you know, uh, what if we stack six? No, we don't do six, but, uh, but I did have a a mare that's out here at the barn um, that I had her on three pads under the front feet. Um, just to see where she would go, you know, just to, to get some changes in the body. Um, she's really stoic about it. She doesn't do a whole lot. You can see a little bit of tiny, tiny movements, um, but a uh, big difference after she comes off the pad.
0: Yeah. Super- and so just for people to know that you always start with one pad in the beginning and the over time you start to do stacking. It's not something you jump into straight away because um, it... You know, the horses need to understand what's going on and be willing to to stand on these unstable surfaces and be uneven for a while as you build things up. But again, like tomorrow when we talk to Felicitas, I'm sure we'll have pictures of stacking and talk about how you get there. Um, uh, somebody else has asked me about, um, do I have stories about equine rescues using pads? And we do have equine rescues using pads. Um, I, uh, most of us get too busy to kind of give me reports back, but when I run into people, I'll ask them and um, the pads have been really, really helpful because these horses at rescues, a lot of times they've either been traumatized or they're older or they have arthritis. And also your therapeutic riding horses who, who have such a tough job, they really do, that yeah. using the pads can really bring them comfort. And um, I have one story with a thoroughbred off the track who, when I walked into the barn, the woman said, oh, you know, I, I looked at this gray horse. I said, I want to work with this gray horse. And she said, no, you don't. He's a butthead. And so I I insisted and I had to really insist for her to bring this gray horse out. And I only had a half physio pad. And when I put that underneath his foot and put his, it was his right front, because I was standing on the right side, put his foot down, in 10 seconds, all of the behavior stopped. All of the fussing and messing around completely stopped. And so I keep trying to point out to people that so much of this behavior, in my opinion, after doing this for eight years, is really a balance problem, whether that's mentally, emotionally, or physically. And when we rebalance the horse using the surefoot pads, then they can rebalance in in mental, emotional, and physical ways. And that's what I keep saying. But we have to be willing to allow them to be different. And sadly, the trainer at that location continued to think of the horse as a butthead and refused to use the pads. And so he got locked right back into his patterns because the people weren't willing to let him be different. And so it's so important for us to be really present in the observation and recognize that these horses with adverse behaviors that we label like crazy, really, they're just horses that are looking for help and and they're not feeling safe. And Vegas, you know, and, go back and look at my lectures on Vegas that I have with Violet Van Hees. But, you know, Vegas big question is, am I safe? And if you don't feel safe, then you're going to have all kinds of behaviors because you're not feeling safe.
1: Sure. right absolutely yeah yeah and, and you know they don't have other ways to express those things right. you know the body tension like you said the physical the mental the emotional they don't have other ways it's not like they're going to send you a text message you know so what they have is their behavior um so and yeah. if we
0: only try to correct the behavior but not solve the underlying balance problem it's just a band-aid on a giant hole um but the minute right solve that balance problem you know like this horse he just totally stopped all his messing around stood there quietly totally let his neck down you know and was really really um quite happy to to be a good citizen at that point you know yeah um so so somebody just um asked a question when you're riding your quiet horse when would you experiment with the pads so you have any quiet horses that you've been working with
1: do I have quiet horses? Yeah, I've got some quiet horses that I'm working with as well. And and honestly, right now, I'm experimenting with the pads as much for me as for the horses. So every horse is standing on the pads almost every day, um, just in an experimental stage. Yeah. So um, quiet horse, hot horse, uh, all of them. We're just experimenting. Yeah.
0: And so the thing is with your quiet horses, that it's... Um being able to offer them a way to to ground and to let go of tension. One of the things that we see is fascial release. I mean, and I have photographs of a horse where um, the horse was on the pads and we saw the fashion get into these really interesting wrinkles. And I just had, um, I did another webinar for the Fans of Surefoot. If you um, are more interested, please join Fans of Surefoot group on Facebook. Um, But she was telling me how She was putting pads underneath the horse's right front foot and when the osteopath came to release the gelding scar that it referred to that right front leg. And so the pads were already starting to help change the fascia that he was working on, working on the gelding scar. So, you know, this stuff is all connected and we can't get away from the fact that it's all connected. But some ways are easier in than others and some are simpler. And that's one of the things about surefoot pads is that anybody that knows how to pick up a foot can use surefoot with their horse.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. That's, that's a, a real easy door in, yeah.
0: Yep, so somebody's asking, I bought pads but they haven't received them yet. We're, we just got some pads in but I'm still waiting on mediums, they should be here next week. Um, and I'm wondering if I should use pads before or, or, oh, during shots. Okay, so if you're gonna use the pads to help your horse deal with things like shots or shoeing or anything, what you'd like to do is work with the horse quietly before any of those situations arise. In other words, in a quiet environment, just start with your pads. Make sure you're in a nice big space. There's not a lot of activity around so that you can see how he responds to the pads just by themselves and doing that repeatedly over in the next few days or maybe a week so that the horse is already starting to let down. And then when the veterinarian comes or someone comes to have to do any treatment, I would be using the pads before they arrive and then when they get there so that you keep help, helping the horse figure out how to throw that parasympathetic switch and calm, calm and rest.
1: That makes sense. You're setting the stage then at that point.
0: Exactly. And you know, like anything, you don't really want to start it when you're already hyped up. I mean, I worked with horses sure. that are hyped up because they came in and I'm supposed to teach a riding lesson and I can't get near the horse.
1: <laughs> right, and so that's what you're dealing with, yeah. Right,
0: right. but really the idea is here to, is to have an environment where the horse can start to be self-introspective and and feel the changes and the chemical changes. So later this week, I have Dr. Steven Peters who wrote, uh, co-wrote Evidence-Based Horsemanship. And we've done one lecture with him, Brain 101, that's on my um, Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. Um, and he's coming back for another um, dose of equine brain. And Stephen is awesome because he can explain to us what's happening in the neurochemical makeup of a horse when he's in high anxiety and when he's relaxed. Um, And so it's just another piece of, you know, all these webinars are trying to kind of take all these different people and help us kind of shape and form an image of what this is doing and how it's working. Um, That's really cool. um, With shoeing and trimming, we have a lot of farriers and barefoot trimmers now using Surefoot because if the horse is uncomfortable, everyone is unsafe. The horse, the handler, and the farrier or trimmer. And so by using Surefoot pads, we have stories of, you know, my horse had to be tranquilized for the farrier. And now I did Surefoot twice and I don't have to tranquilize him anymore. So
1: Fantastic. isn't
0: that fabulous? I just those are one of my favorite stories. I get those a lot.
1: That's awesome. Good. Good. Yeah.
0: Um, so anywhere you, you know, even if your horse is calm, this is going to make a difference. Um. I should see if I can get Larry Weitzel on. Larry Weitzel, um, who's, do you know Larry? Yeah.
1: I do. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Larry got some pads and then he sent me an email and I haven't forgotten it because I thought it was really powerful. He said that the horses that really need Surefoot want it and that the horses that are not in need of it so much are, are less interested. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. I agree with him because my horse who has he's got huge feet and big frogs and he's always been really nimble and known where his body is he's like oh mom's doing this again okay well
1: (laughs) he's tolerant yeah yeah
0: Yeah, you know he'll humor me and and sometimes he likes it more than others but like the other day he was like no I'm not really interested thank you very much Mm -hmm. Um, and that's okay um So someone's asked, Patrick, how has Surefoot informed your training of your horses? I'm not sure I totally get that question, or maybe another way to say it is, what information has Surefoot given you about the horses you have in training?
1: Uh, Well, you know, what I found, um, because the horses that I have in training right now, a lot of them, the specific things that we're working for or working on is Better balance, more using the haunches, doing a lot of lateral work, that sort of thing. Um, so it's been great to see uh, um, when I've been using their bodies in a better way. It's just like going to the gym, right? Um, you know, so we hear people say sometimes, I want to work my horse. Oh man, he must have worked his horse too hard. He's sore. Well, I've never known anybody to go to the gym and say, I want to get stronger, but I don't want to be sore right? I don't want to feel any kind of tension that way. Um, I found it kind of tells me, hey, I'm working the right muscles when they want to stay a little longer with back feet on those pads and they want to do a little more rocking and yawning and releasing. uh, That to me is saying, hey, we're getting into some muscles. We're starting to engage their core in a way that is going to be beneficial to them. So uh, hopefully that's kind of going along the lines of what they're talking about in the question here. Um, It's, I would say in a big way, kind of validated the training that I'm doing because the horses are saying, hey, I want to hang out here a little bit more. Um, And I've found that, you know, they're more ready to use their haunches in this way that we're talking about after they've been on the path.
0: Yeah, so um I've had a I had a Hunter Barn that totally stopped lunging the horses and only used the Surefoot pads.
1: Oh, cool. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
0: You know, so um, as a warm up, sure foot can be really, really useful because yeah. you know when you're standing on your pads and you're and you're swaying, those swaying is working those little tiny postural muscles, right? Absolutely. And, um, they find that when you move the the little muscles, and that's this is another reason why Feldenkrais is so powerful, that that's mm-hmm. actually uh, really demanding to work the little tiny postural muscles. So. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I tell people, you got to be careful how long you leave your horse on the pads, because when they're doing that swing, they are working muscles and possibly in a new way that they haven't done before. And you can make them sore, just like you starting a new exercise program. Just think of standing on a BOSU for an hour, how you would feel. Exactly. You know, right. right. Dose it and, and be a wise parent is what I think of is, you know, even right. if the horse is really enjoying himself to walk him off the pads because you've just watched him sway for a couple of minutes and you can always do it again, but you can't undo it if you make them sore and they can't understand what's happened.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure, absolutely.
0: Cool. So, um, so it's, we've only got a few more minutes, Patrick. So um, I don't have the list of questions like what you do with other people, I haven't been doing that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Whew, thank goodness.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so we don't have to worry about that kind of stressor, but, you know so but i will ask you this now now that you've been in isolation if you will and you've been experimenting what what kind of things uh what has what's come up for you um like
1: what's come up for me
0: yeah like this is a totally different lifestyle for you to be parked in one place and working <laughs> <one> place.
1: <laughs> this is a totally different lifestyle you're absolutely right Um, you know, well, it's been super interesting for me because, uh, you know, I'm here with my fiance, Lisa, and we've been chatting a little bit about potentially changing my schedule in the coming years. Uh, I wasn't planning on doing it this year, but we've been talking about me maybe staying home, taking in outside training horses and then hitting the road for a couple months and teaching and then coming back for a couple months and and sort of swapping back and forth kind of seasonally, um, to spend more time at home and this has kind of forced us to do a trial run on that Um, so it has it has definitely changed things for me but um you know what i found is i can sit still (laughs) it's been really interesting that's been in in years past and i think anybody who knows me knows this if i'm in one place for more than two or three days I start to get kind of itchy. You know, I've got to get moving just because that's how my life has been, right? Two or three days in a hotel and then I go on to the next hotel for maybe a day up to three, four days maximum. Um, My time in Portugal and Spain, the first year that I was there was the longest I'd been anywhere in one town that length of time for 20 years, Uh, which is a lot. You know, that's a long time. Um, So I joke that... Uh, that's my second home over there because it's the place I sit still the longest. Um, but now the time here, I think I've exceeded that, uh, and it's it's been fantastic actually. I'm loving it. Um, the to do list keeps growing, which that, is cool. Yes. It's fine uh, <laughs> because I'm checking off a lot of things, you know. But uh, yeah, how
0: honey do list.
1: The honey, yeah, well, I call it my ta list because yes. if I were to get it all done, it would be magic, right? Ta-da. Oh. <laughs> you know, that, there's that whole, you know, toilet paper deal. You take that honeydew list and you roll it all up, you've got a massive roll on that, you know?
0: <laughs> uh, you know, and so it's interesting because... Um, You know, it's like confronting habits. We get into habits just like horses of moving, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And Suddenly you're asked to stand still. Yeah. You know, and when we think about how we ask our horses to do that, but we don't have the, you know, they don't have the understanding of why that's happening. Have you been standing on the pads yourself at all?
1: I have been standing on the pads a little bit and you know you actually you've just kind of triggered my mind into something a little bit um it was was something that Ray used to say all the time is you just got to get him more ready just got to get him more ready talking about the horses for whatever it is we were doing with them right and uh, you you know the whole moving around not sitting still I guess I finally got to a spot where I'm more ready to sit still (laughs) I got more ready um but have I been playing with the pads myself I have um and, um, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. I get some feedback from my body, my lower back, especially, um, I get some feedback from, um, and that's, that's pretty cool. And I love standing on the pods, you know, that's, oh, yeah. that's, my, that's like two tiny bosu balls, you know, yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, somebody's asked, have you noticed a difference in using bef- them before or after your rides? And would you use Surefoot after body work like chiropractic massage as well as before? Um, I'm just going to throw in that we have um, chiropractors and osteopaths that are using surefoot and they will use it either before, during, or after the treatment. Um, so they, you know, it's it's beautiful because it can just blend into different places depending on what you're doing and how what the horse feels like and how he responds. Um, So Patrick, have you noticed a difference in using them, whether you use the pads before or after the ride? Um, Have I noticed a difference before or after? You know,
1: I've noticed a difference when I'm using them before the ride and that the horses feel a bit more connected to their body uh when i'm when i'm riding if i've used the pads before and then i find that it just it helps them to let down better and you know you talk about them being used as a warm-up i find it really helpful in the cool down as well you know kind of letting them just reset and feel themselves again after the ride yeah so to me it's a both you know
0: yeah no that's the the thing about them is that you can combine them with lots of other techniques and anywhere you want to have your horse feel more relaxed and be more confident and comfortable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Patrick. It's four o'clock. So thank you so much for joining us. And finally, I got to interview you. Uh,
1: right, right. I'm not usually okay with this, but you know, I I like to be on the controlling side of things. Know, not in the hot. This
0: bit of a. But see, I'm I'm the captain in charge here. So
1: <laughs> this is <true. laughs> you are you are <laughs> aye aye, captain. <laughs>
0: so thank you so much for joining me, and it's always a pleasure to spend time with you.
1: Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been great to do this. And thanks to everybody for tuning in.
0: So this and all my webinars can be found on my YouTube channel, Surefoot Equine. Uh, Please go to Surefoot Equine page on Facebook and like it. Join fans of Surefoot Equine. And I keep posting up when I'm going to have new guests. And if there's any change in my guest schedule, like I've added Dr. Sherry Johnson for this Friday, but I'm doing these webinars five days a week, as long as we're we're here, Virginia's apparently gonna be in um, stay at home until June. So I've already got guests lined up for the next couple of weeks. So please join me with my webinars. Just go to murdockmethod.com and sign up for my newsletter and you'll be the first to know who my guests are for the next week because I put out my email on the weekend. Thank you so much, Patrick. And thank you everyone for joining me. And until next time, please go and enjoy the ride.